Hello, listeners, and welcome to Freelance Friday with Vay Casey, a podcast all about freelancing through the opinions and experiences of freelancers. This week on the show, we have Joe Harris. He is a commercial director and editor at Side Shops, which is a content, brand films, and advertising agency located in Dallas. And whenever I first got in contact with Joe, he had reached out to me and said, hey man, I love your show, would love to be a part of it if you're ever interested in having me on. And I had seen one of the pieces he had worked on and really liked it. Even prior to him reaching out to me, I had seen this and heard about him. And so I was like, this could be really cool. So I said, yeah, sure, no problem, man. And he got back with me after that and said, oh, hey, I just kind of realized that I might not actually be a great fit for your show because I don't really freelance. I work for a production company. And so I kind of have a day job basically. And I told him, I said, nah, it's okay. I guess, you know, it would still be cool to hear the story from that perspective of, you know, of someone who has decided not to freelance and maybe why. So we got him scheduled for an interview. A few weeks after that, he came in for the interview and I forgot going into the interview that he's not really a freelancer very much. And so throughout the interview, I'm kind of like trying to ask him about freelance stuff and get his, you know, experience and opinions with all of that. And it probably took better part of that before I remembered, oh yeah, he doesn't really freelance. So it's kind of funny. Anyway, I'm really glad to have him on the show today. But before that, we've got a short little interview with Becca Patton. She's been on the show before, back on episode 36. Wanted to catch up with her this week to talk about her business and whatnot since COVID stuff started popping off back in March. So here's that conversation with her. What's quarantine or COVID been like for you? Things fell off. Um, working with restaurants, the beginning of, I guess the, not outbreak, but onset of quarantine in this, or COVID in the States, quarantine, working with restaurants. At first there was this big push for all of this change in messaging and how to get people, you know, sitting on the patios and outside dining. And we were working really hard every single day, uh, but then things kind of dropped off. So a little bit after it dropped off for most people probably. And, and then it was very peaceful for a time and I just embraced it. Like peaceful, like you just didn't have any work basically. Oh yeah. Quote unquote peaceful. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like freelancers, especially if you work in digital marketing or social media and stuff like that, we don't stop because we don't want to stop. And there's always access to keep working and making your clients happy and working on all of these side projects that, I mean, hopefully they'll get done someday, but there's just like always something to do. And I feel like when the whole world kind of took a time out, I just took that. I was on spring break, summer vacation, whatever you want to call it, and just chilled. Like really, I didn't even work on the side projects that I had going. I just stopped for a little bit because I think I needed that rest. And I think other people did too. It was kind of like a nice, at least for freelancers. Mm -hmm. I know paychecks are good, but I don't know. You need time to kind of like recuperate sometimes. And I think a lot of us don't give ourselves that time. So, yeah, I kind of felt that too, as far as like being in a vacation or, uh, 
oh man, everybody is kind of having to chill out right now. Yeah. So I don't have to feel like I have to, I don't like feel like I have to hustle as much because I'm like, for what? What's, what is, what is going on? None of us know what's happening. Let's just like take a breather here. Yeah. And I just, I really honestly tried to learn how to relax and not feel guilty for not being super productive. And I guess I just had the mentality that I'm not going to do it anyways. So don't stress about it because typically if I'm procrastinating, I'll stress out about it all, all day. I'll take a stress nap. I'll, you know, so anxiety ridden, but then it won't get done anyways. I just go to sleep. I'm like, I'll do it early in the morning. And so I just, I was honestly practicing. I know I'm not going to do it today. You know, all the like, for example, I've been redoing my website for the past year. I could have been working on that. I decided not to though. And I decided to not be hard on myself for taking the time to rest. So that was one kind of a big deal for me was just learning to not feel, if I'm resting, I'm resting and don't feel guilty about it. And if I'm working, I'm working and that's great. And then other than that, I mean, I still worked here and there. It was kind of like, um, I don't know what the right phrase would be. Kind of went rogue for a second. Okay. Sometimes you got to do that. Kind of some like, you know, on the down low mm -hmm. photo shoots mm -hmm. because we still have bills to pay. Yep. People still need so, stuff to be photographed. And people still need stuff photographed. So I still worked here and there. People started dropping off products at my house, which was fun. So people would walk up, leave the stuff. We'd kind of email instructions. I mean, there were people, there's one client that I'm still working with now. We didn't meet until months after we started working together. Oh, wow. Because they happened to live near my house and they needed products shot. They told me their concept and they would drop the stuff off at my house. They wiped it down before dropping it off. I wiped it down before picking it up. And we would just be texting the whole time. I'd send them photos of the shoot. And, and it was just product shots, so it was easy to tweak stuff. Right. But so I started doing that. And yeah, we didn't actually meet until a few months later. Wow. Uh, when we started, you know, doing shoots on location and stuff. So that was interesting. It was fun to start doing some more product photography and have the space to just work on my own kind of timeline and adjusting stuff. And mm. you typically do more lifestyle stuff yeah. versus product, right? Yeah. So a little bit of a, I mean, I mean, did you do product photography before this? Well, a little bit. Yeah. Product, product photography in more of a lifestyle setting. Okay. But during quarantine, I did start doing because whole studios were shut down where people were, what's the word? Um, but, well, basically they bring their products in and have someone shoot it, you know, outsourcing, outsourcing mm -hmm. the photos. Um, whole studios were shut down. And so, yeah, for example, one client, I would shoot her products in a lifestyle setting. And then I just told her, you know, I can do the e-commerce as well. And so I just, on my coffee table, set up a little studio and, it went, it went great. I think, I don't know. It was fun. It was That's a nice cool. little challenge for me. 
You mentioned that you could have been working on the website, but you opted to rest instead and take the time for that. Do you typically have like times that you will take to rest, like prior to like COVID stuff? Would you like schedule out time to take vacation or rest, or was it just like go always? No, I do not rest. <laughs> Short answer. Why not? Um, it well, it it still stresses me out. I procrastinate for sure. I avoid, yes. Do I truly rest? No. But I honestly, I mean, I love what I do so much. It's a much healthier mentality for me personally to, there'll be time for me to set boundaries, I'm sure, between work and life balance. But right now, I maintain, I love what I do so much. It is my life and I'm okay with that. I enjoy it. I like being there for my clients. I like just kind of editing and working all day. So far, it's gone all right with me not having a ton of structure to my day. At any given moment, I am doing three or four things at once. And it frustrates me to not be like that. So I just, I'm just going to roll with it because it seems to be working kind of. Yeah. So now kind of, uh, have you noticed work start to pick up more and like yeah. ramp back up kind of what's the process? What's, what's it, what have, what's it looked like with that happening? I guess kind of, yeah, well, some of the clients that I have been working with prior to novel coronavirus 19. Um, so some of them have not been as frequent. For example, hotels, restaurants. I was doing a lot of that in the last two years. Mm -hmm. And I was doing that in place of what I had been doing previously, which was more bloggers, local businesses, stuff like that. And so I've kind of gone back to kind of like my roots essentially. And it's just, it's kind of like back to the hustle where it's these shorter shoots and there's not a guaranteed paycheck and I'm just kind of rolling with it. And it's so fun to be able to take on new clients again and be, I, I don't know. I think a lot of freelancers are probably really efficient when they're really busy. Otherwise I, again, I just procrastinate and so yeah, it's just kind of been back to meeting people. I mean, I met someone in a coffee shop at 6.30 in the morning a couple weeks ago and now he wants to shoot together. Like, it's he's opening up a practice in Oak Cliff and I'm like, cool, that worked out great. Like, grabbed my coffee, got a client. And I miss that. Dallas just has yeah, this energy about it. It does. And I, I missed being open to taking on new clients. So it's been fun to just, I mean, it's really ramped up. Has I mean, I feel like Kind cool. of mandates or not, things are ramp. Pe yeah, people are working. Yeah, you just need to work. Yeah, what uh, you mentioned that uh, you've been taking stuff, and even if you're not sure if you're going to get paid or not, is that just because you're not sure that people are going to like fulfill the invoices, or your, or what exactly? Oh, did I say that? I guess I meant. So for the past two years, I was on retainer. Okay. And. So that was nice. So knowing what that paycheck would be. Gotcha. And that, 
I dedicated a lot of my time to that. So I wasn't taking on new clients. I was really trying to focus on that one client. And since quarantine, all of that stuff, I haven't been on that retainer. And so I don't have that guaranteed paycheck mm, anymore. Okay. And so now it's the hustle of like, I mean, it, it sounds um, not ideal, but it's honestly like I kind of have the flexibility to take on as much or as little work as I want. So yeah. it kind of works out okay. Um, it's just not that guaranteed number every month that I know is my baseline. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, um, so yeah, a little no, less you, of a stable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was about to say, I was like, how does that work? <laughs> in 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 money or in trade or in something, but I I must be paid. Must be some sort of compensation yeah, yeah. or trade of things. Yeah, at least and stuff. Yeah, mm -hmm. cool. What uh I don't know, any other thoughts around freelancing and, and COVID or and COVID and quarantine? And just the kind know. of the environment, it's, the way things are. It's just where they're going. I think it's been such an interesting opportunity to practice empathy. I think there's some people I really look up to and strive to be like in ways are very good at asserting their worth and their personal time. And they're very good at setting boundaries. And I respect that a lot. And I always am trying to learn the positives from that. But I think that this whole situation has offered an opportunity to think about really step, stepping in your client's shoes and understanding. Whereas before it might've just been understanding they're stressed about selling this thing or they're stressed about pleasing their client on the other end or something like that. Now there's something that we've all gone through where you can understand, okay, they might be worried about their spouse's health or they might, you know, they might be prone to being more worried about this or less worried about this. And so outside of just a business relationship, I feel like this has given people the opportunity to be sympathetic as yes, you are bringing your craft and your expertise to the table, but you're also there to like work with that person. I feel like typically freelance is more of a one-on-one -on -one situation. It's more of a nuanced project. It's not always the same exact thing over and over again. So I think it gives us the opportunity to really think about like, okay, as a person, how can I meet you where you are and how can we move forward together to get this project done in a really great way? So I think moving forward now that things are just kind of ramping up, whether we're ready for it or not, um, yeah, mentally, <laughs> um, I think it's an interesting thing that we can carry forward is just being aware of how we identify with the person next to us and can be sympathetic towards them and relate person to person first and then through our job. Thanks again, Becca, for coming on the show. Once again, it's great to have you. I've always enjoyed having a conversation with you and just talking about freelancing and our experiences with business. And if you would like to hear her full interview that we did that came out about six months ago, you can go back and check that out on episode 36. It's a great one. I really, really highly recommend it. Uh, thank you so much for listening to the show. Just you listening is helping and supporting and really it's done for you all. And currently I don't make money from it and 
It's not something I've ever really done to make money, but it does take time to do this and resources and it costs me money. And I'm at a point now where I'm trying to build the podcast up a little bit more and really start to... I guess grow it more or less and that takes more than just me and I find that it would be really beneficial I think to be able to hire on an editor and so I'm working on trying to fund uh, basically an editor and part of the way that you can do that is by going to patreon at patreon.com slash vacacy where you can become a patron of the show for three dollars a month Uh, and the perk is that you get to help be part of the show and fund the growth of it. I have at this point, I've not taken on any ads or sponsors or really, I haven't really pursued any because I try to keep the show ad free. I really enjoy just being able to bring interviews to the people. So currently this ad that you're hearing right now is the only ad that I plan on having on the show unless just an incredible partnership came along that I felt like that I could not pass up. So it would be really helpful for me for the show, which ultimately helps you all the listeners. If you would go to patreon.com slash vacacy. It's only $3 a month. You can start and you can do it indefinitely as long as you want, or maybe even for just one or two months. And then that's it. I'm really hoping to be able to start bringing some more perks and add some additional tiers on Patreon. Once I start to get an idea of what would be good perks or tiers to offer everyone. But in the meantime, just have the one tier. Like I said, it's only $3 a month patreon.com slash vacacy. It would be a big help to the show to help it continue moving forward. Patreon.com slash vacacy. Thanks so much for your support. Without further delay, let's get into the interview with Joe Harris. So dude, what's, uh, what's your story, man? Um, um, I did, let's see. Been freelancing for a while. I freelanced, I have freelanced like on and off a lot. I'm currently um, on staff with Side Chops, um, production, post-production house. Okay. Um, But I got, like I started out pretty much in post, kind of learned everything in reverse. Um, Because all I ever did was pretty much like wait tables and like have been in this industry. I drove flowers for like four months. Okay. That was weird. I bet. I bet it was like, you know, it was fun. You go to some interesting places. I went to interesting places and I saw some interesting, weird things that you'd be like, you wouldn't expect to see. Like what? One time I was dropped this, and this is like where I, kind of like where I live, like me and my family live over in Mansfield. Okay. Familiar with the area. So, um, and I was delivering there and I did a lot of like, you know, funeral homes because there's like really old funeral home, which I actually shot a spot in years and years later, um, right across from us. And so I'd always do like drop stuff off there. But, you know, then like around town, you do really weird, crazy things. One time I pulled up and there's a note on the door. It's like, oh, uh, yard work in the back. Come around, you know, come on through. So I was like, oh, cool. You know, so I just walk around. I, I start to hear a mower. So I'm like, okay, cool. He's mowing. And sure enough, there's a uh, an elderly gentleman mowing his lawn in nothing but socks and shoes, man. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, 
to me, and nowadays when I think about it, it's like that pops into my head as a phrase like, you some things you can't unsee, bro. Yeah. You know how you just can't unsee that. Uh, one time I had this, the coolest, the funniest, coolest, weirdest thing though was this girl came in one time. I happened to be in the flower shop and she like picked out this great flower arrangement with like two balloons. It was in this basket, filled out this card address and they're like, okay, when do you want it delivered? And she was like, when do you think these will die? And everybody was confused. And then she asked kind of a, again. And they were like, what do you mean? She goes, well, like, when, how long does it take for these things to wilt and, like, die and the b- balloons to, like, deflate? And they're like, I mean, like, a week. I mean, we could, like, put them in the window and, and give them a couple of days. She's like, do that. Let them die and then take them. Oh. So I could go and I deliver it, like, a week later. And it's, like, sad, sappy, like, barely floating balloons. And literally all the flowers are, like, either, like, dead or, like, completely wilted. And I knock on this door and this dude opens the door. And I was like, and I knew him. And he was a cook at the restaurant that I worked at right before I started delivering flowers. And I was like, he was like, what are you doing, dude? What's happening? And I was like, I deliver flowers. Like, this is, dude, this is, and I looked at the card and I was like, this is for you. And he was like, what? And he opens it up and uh, there's a card on it. And it says, if you want to run with the big dogs, don't squat like a bitch. And it was this chick that he slided, I guess, who knows, one night stand or something, but like, oh, he screwed her over and she was Wow. That's wild, yeah. man. So that's like <laughs> the weirdest thing I'd ever encountered pretty much. I couldn't believe it. That's kind of... I plotted her commitment to revenge. That's, that's creative, though, <laughs> that's too. Creative. That's pretty... It's like, you know, it was just, it was like a, it was just kind of a nasty little thing to say. Yeah, it wasn't shit, super dude. revenge spiteful. I, I accepted that form of revenge. I was like, you know what? That's okay. I delivered flowers once yeah. for like a few hours. It was a, some when I was a kid. It was with my mom, and it was some like church deal where they're like delivering flowers to. I don't, I don't even remember the details of it. I just remember for some reason we were helping out some florist shop deliver a bunch oh, of stuff yeah. for like Valentine's Day maybe oh, or something like big that. Overflow. And we uh, took a delivery to some house that was in a like lower income area of town, kind of. And I knock on the door, and dude answers the door with a kitchen knife in his hand. Oh, <laughs> oh my god! But I guess it was just like me, and it's like you have no idea who's coming to your door and what they're doing. And I was just like, wow. I'm like, oh, here, here's this. So he like sets the knife down to like take the flowers from me. I was like, wow. Oh my god! Where am I? Wait, wait. <laughs> wow. Wait, how long did you say it was? How long ago? It's probably been 20 years. That's crazy. Yeah, 15 or 20 years. It's been a while. If uh, it was now, you would have been like Instagram live or something like yeah, that. Yeah, right, right, right. He's got an eye. I mean, I'm not, honestly, in hindsight, like I'm not too surprised in the area of town that it was in. I was like, yeah, that totally makes sense. So, <laughs> okay, so you were doing all that stuff. Yeah, so I, I, I did that. And I have um, a group of friends that uh, are actually now partners um, at a really big post-production production house here and um one of them got in and then he brought in another one and then that one brought in two or three more and then we basically just started like pulling in all of these friends because we all we have a a pretty large group of like longtime friends there's like a group of us that were all in like bands and like you know recorded and like tour just long time of like camaraderie and 
hanging out, like a huge group of us, like 20 plus people of people who have just known each other forever. Um, so he's, he basically just started pulling everybody in. And then, um, you know, he knew that I wanted to do it because I kind of quit playing music. Because I was like, oh, man, you guys are really good. And I'm like getting worse. And I don't understand. So I was like, you guys, hey, you guys need any music videos? Because I can do that instead. So I just kind of whatever, any camera I could find, most people, it has a red button that shoots video. Push the red button. Figure out what to do. And so it just started there. And once everybody started getting in this industry, he just kind of started, you know, scooping all of us up, as a bunch of us, like into it. And um, so once I really expressed the interest, uh, my good buddy James Rayburn, who's an editor at this company, Charlie Uniform Tango, uh, he said, hey, um, there's this other big company. They need somebody on the ground floor in the tape room. Call this person. So um, after months and months of, I'll just, let's just call it what it is, pestering, just being like probably pretty annoying and like 21 years old. Um, I got a job at Real Effects Creative Studios and the tape room and I was there for, man, I was there for a few years, four or five years, something like that. Um, and then it moved up, got into production stuff, and just kind of the whole time kept like wanting to direct, wanting to shoot, trying to figure out what you know what it was. Um, met a whole bunch of really awesome people that became mentors, really helped me out, gave me a bunch of cool opportunities to be creative, um, and kind of showed me like the the ropes, you know, the entry level ropes. And I just kind of quickly realized like. It makes a difference who I like know and who I'm friends with, and those relationships like come back, like circle back around to you, and can like get you work. Mm -hmm. And also, that because that's the way it is, like you you have to go find some work until like you're good enough for people to rep you or try to find, you know bring work to you. Like that's what you got to do. And even afterwards, like you still got to do it. Yeah. Um, and so I just, I just started like pushing, shooting my own stuff, doing what I could. Um, I actually left there and did some more post at uh, another company that also did kind of like one man band profiles of businesses and neighborhoods and stuff like that. Um, and so I shot a couple of things for them uh, called U Plus Media, and I don't actually think they're around anymore. Um, but I got into that and then went to um, pretty much always having to like edit everything. Um, the first like kind of big thing that I did that was like a short film, like a real short concept short film. Um, I was on like a vacation at Real Effects. I was on vacation for Christmas and it was like two, two and a half, three weeks because like I built up and we're closed. So uh, the gold edition of Twin Peaks came out like on DVD. And so I watched like literally every single piece of like picture on that, those discs. And then like went to sleep in this insane dream and woke up and was like, I got an idea. And so I just went up to real effects and just started literally like pulling cubicle walls 
across like a massive floor, built this set, hung it, like made black backdrops, like hung it up by myself, did all this crap by myself, pulled chairs and couches and built this like weird little living room set. But the back, I used um, like a white sheet for a projection screen and I rear projected this crazy imagery that I had already like edited and then called a couple of really close friends up and the next day we like shot this weird thing and um, about that time Nine Inch Nails released the Ghost album um, Ghosts which was like all instrumental soundtrack stuff like before he like really started doing soundtracks and he opened it up to like user generated festival submission content type stuff like make a music video for these tracks go for it we had already shot something and like literally a week later that came out so I was like wait a minute I'm going for it so I used a track and cut it up and it was really like unofficial it was just like cool you're accepted here's an official video but no like big release or anything it was like four discs it was like 40 something plus songs I think you know so there's a ton of them ton of like music videos and mm -hmm. to these tracks so but that happened and it spawned uh, a relationship with a buddy of mine whom I met uh, his name's Hutch Crane he's an awesome cinematographer um, does commercial work but he also does feature work and we shot like a follow-up sequel short film to that that was like 15 minutes long like couldn't get into couldn't be programmed at festivals because it was this weird like avant-garde super dark what the hell am I watching? But it was really good and like really well made, but it was just so out there that festivals were like, we don't know what to do with this. So I didn't get it into anywhere, but it had, you know, like I think like 20 plus, 20 plus thousand views, like just from like, Hey guys, we made this short film, check it out. And this was, you know, Facebook wasn't huge, huge yet. Um, so kind of from there, man, I just really just kept, as they say, hustling trying to meet people and develop cool relationships. And then I really fell in love with like ads, like shooting spots and um, advertising in general, which is weird. I still love movies and yeah, I'd love to make a feature one day. I've been working on a developing like a short or, you know, trying to get a couple of shorts going with some other colleagues and friends. And it, and that's awesome. And I, if it, if we can make it happen, like I'm, I'm super ready to shoot a short film, but I really like fell in love with like ads. I would skip them. And now like I full on get the, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm watching this ad, you know, it's funny. It's this, this, and this thing, but there's just so much that goes just like features and narrative. There's so much that goes on before you actually get to production yeah. for a commercial. And there's so many creatives that spend so much brain power, like all the stress that we have in production and post and just being creative and creating assets, like art directors, writers, creatives spend that same energy and time, if sometimes not more, on like understanding a brand and a concept and how to convey a message and solve a problem. And that's something I cannot do. Um, even with a lot of practice, I realize like it's not something that I would be good at. It's pretty hard. It's kind of unpredictable too. I feel like you can wildly kind of have an idea and go, uh, I feel like 
you know, whatever this way may work, or this is a good messaging or people will be receptive to this or whatever it is. Um, but it's very much at the end of the day, I feel like just very educated guesswork. It really is. That's, I think that's a great way to say it personally, not being a creative, like an, you know, an agency creative. Yeah. I should say. Cause you can't, there's no, you can't guarantee the client, Hey, this is going to work or we're going to do this. And I, I haven't done a lot of advertising work as far as our marketing work, as far as the non-production side of things. Right. I kind of, I've been a very much a do it all yourself kind of a person, one man shop. And I think about the business and marketing side of stuff and how the play, things that I'm creating are going to play into the bigger picture for a company and to make sure that the stuff that I'm providing them works well with that. And so I kind of go down those thought paths of the marketing strategy and all that stuff. And especially because I'm kind of doing it for myself too. And that's kind of big one of the biggest pain points for me when I'm talking to people is if I'm just hired to produce a video or photos or, or whatever, I can pretty certainly guarantee them, hey, we're going to make a video and it's going to be dope mm-hmm. and it's going to convey this message. But I can't guarantee that it's going to do the thing they want it to do necessarily, yeah. right? Yeah. Or, if, or yeah. if I go, hey, I think that the way y'all have been doing things isn't exactly working, but maybe here's a different way to kind of think outside the box to try to market to these people that kind of stands out but I can't guarantee it and so it makes me a little bit more uh, apprehensive about pitching that stuff or or really trying to go through with it Mm -hmm. because I'm nervous that if somebody buys what I'm selling them and it doesn't do what I thought it would or doesn't accomplish their goals then they're going to look at me and be like oh well you sold me some shit Mm-hmm. Or what did, you know, and, and really it's like, no, dude, I was just based on the information that I had and my research and everything, I felt like this should be a good thing, but yeah. it's kind of a toss up. Right. Um, so did you, I mean, whenever you were growing up, did you have interest in any kind of video production or anything like that? I mean, you said you were a musician. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, a, a lot of us that start out in this are, you know. I'm a drawn, obsessed, what have you, to movies, TV shows, be them specific or generalized. Um, it kind of, you know, you sort of gravitate to something like that. And I did. I watched a lot of TV, a lot of movies growing up. Um, my dad took me to, like, see movies all the time. Uh, throughout, like, his whole life, like, we would, that would be, like, our thing. It was like we would eat and we'd walk around for a little bit, you know, at the mall or somewhere and hang out and talk and then like go see a movie. And he like opened me up to like a lot of movies, you know, and he would take me to see re-release movies that were remastered and stuff like that. And one time he took me to see a movie and um, he, he was like, yeah, this is a space movie. And I was like, all right, that's cool. And he's like, and it's old. And I was like, it's like Star Wars. He's like, not really, but, you know, it's a space movie. And he's like, it's called 2001. Um, I said, oh, that's weird. That's a number. And we watched it. And most of the time, we would leave the movies and he'd, you know, what do you think? What, do you like it? Whatever. Um, as you do when you see movies with people. And he, that was the first time that he was like, what did you think? 
And I go, remember when he was in the spaceship and all the colors happened and then all of a sudden he was in that big white room with that old man? And I was like, how did they do that? And that was, I just remember that being like the very first time. I was like, how did, how did that happen? Because that looks totally different than everything else. And I don't know if you were, when the last time you saw 2001 A Space Odyssey was, but it's called the Jupiter chapter. And basically he time travels and the way they conveyed that passage of time slash actual location was they created this new thing and like it's just close-ups of his face cameras shaking and there's lights flashing and his expression but and it cuts away to this incredible light pattern and light like light sequence um and i just it was just a it was just like a left turn suddenly the movie just went and it was so bizarre um but you know it bookends with left turns it starts out when you're you're like monkeys and then you're like space and then you're in a different time and it just blew me away and that was kind of the start i was like well, how like what how do you how do people do this oh a director oh what is that oh a cinema photographer what is that what is this person and then i just found myself watching behind the scenes when they arrived on some VHSs, a couple at first, and then DVDs before even the movie. Like, how did they do this? And then I would watch the movie. And that was really kind of like the, the kind of biggest thing that I was like, all right, well, one of these days I'm going to find a camera. And, you know, there's pictures of me back in the day, like family pictures at Christmas, dressed up like kind of all nice, but with like my blue hair and I'm like holding a giant VHS camera and there's pictures of people like shunning me because I'm filming them, you know, and stuff like that. And so anytime I could get my hands on a camera, I would. Um, and since I've kind of always been like a congenial type of a people person, you know, I just, I'd much rather just, I could probably, um, I could probably dull people's annoyance by me quicker than I can get them to be like, I just do not like that guy. You know, I can usually like, oh, man, I know that was annoying, but now we're having fun and we're friends. So, I, you know, I, I've just kind of always approached networking and jobs as, hey, let's do something cool because we're all have the parts that we don't want to do that are cool. So let's do something fun and try to like move our move everything alive, move everything along. You know, high tide raises all ships kind of mentality. Um, and and so that's really how I've gotten a lot of a lot of stuff done because as you as you've talked about on many of your episodes nowadays, budgets are shrinking, expectations are growing, um, and everybody's like, well, I gotta work still, and I want to work. So just complete transparency. Um, and, and, you know, I try to always be as humble and gracious as possible to artists that I work with. Because, like, I, even if I've got a camera in my hand, I mean, half the time, like, I still don't feel like I'm doing anything compared to what everyone else is doing around me. You know? Like, I just ask people to do things and, and make sure that they're better at their job than mm -hmm. I am. 
And so I just try to be transparent. Like, this is what is happening. This is what I want to do. Uh, this is either a how long it'll actually take. It might be kind of a beat down or there's no money and it's a for our reel, but you'll get a copy and I'll feed you and we'll make something awesome and I will credit you and tag you or the client's only got this much money, but I'm pretty sure that we're going to be able to bid on another job. You will absolutely be on that crew. Um, and just be transparent. And I mean, I do, I'll share the script, my treatment, my director's treatment and storyboards with a PA. I just did it. I just shared that with a PA because I'm like, just let everybody know what's going on. Yeah. And it helps to be able to kind of get in that mind space and kind of know what all is going on, especially, especially if it's somebody like me, because if I'm a PA, it is for me, I feel like helpful to know everything that's going on. Cause then I'm like, okay, I understand how my little part is playing into the bigger picture mm-hmm. versus not knowing and just kind of being there going, oh, I hope that this is, yeah. I hope I'm where, supposed to be yeah, I hope this is right. Right. You know, that, that to me is everybody works more efficiently and, and better. And on top of that, for people that aren't like key departments or people that are just PAs, when you in, are that inclusive and that open and transparent, people are inclined to even work even harder because they feel like they're part of the creative mm. process because they are part of the creative process. Because the PA that I gave the treatment to in this last job had an idea and I looked at him and said, that's awesome and I am stealing it. Great job. Thank you. And then we went and shot the shot and it's in the edit. It worked. Um, so it so, sounds like you're doing more of, are you still doing posts as much or no? Yeah. Because it sounds I like you do a lot of posts too. I do a really, I mean, maybe like seven, yeah, 70, 30, 60, 40 kind of. Okay. I'm, I'm doing a lot of, I do a lot of the edit of the stuff that I direct just because I know it, um, time sensitive, budget sensitive, um, or scheduling you know, um, but that's not to be said that certain things I'm like, I don't want to cut this and I'm going to have, you know, another editor cut it. Who's usually, uh, the side shop senior editor, Shelby Miller, who's like a really seasoned, awesome, very smart editor. Um, one of these days I would get, I'd, I want to say that I would like to get away from not editing. I just don't know if I'll ever if I'll ever be able to shake it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's hard to. I, I really know what you like mean, it. man. You can see the whole process, right? And you see the whole, or you see the bigger picture. Yeah. And kind of have an idea of what you want stuff to be. And it's like, yeah. ah, it'd be easier for me just to do this right. than to try to convey it to somebody else right. or whatever. And so do you, if you're directing, then are you, are you also camera opting? Um, I mean, uh, yeah, I do that on some of some things, but um, I've been working with, there's this, there's one guy that, I can't remember the last time he wasn't on set or location with me. His name's Robert, Robert Rigdon. Um, he's, he's super amazing. And he is like a full on Swiss army creative. Um, he can do so many things. Um, and I have him on set for usually to AD for me or to be a swing who will sort of second AC slash do some op 
stuff um, because he operates a he has a he has a gimbal he's a gimbal operator and he uses a Segway. Okay. And so we're able to create like really dynamic shots. Yeah. And he's really brilliant with it. But on top of that, he just does so many other things. Um, but on a lot of spots that I've been like actual ads, like 30s, 60s, um, I partnered with, became really good friends with this and super amazing cinematographer here. His name's Mark Haynes. And um, he used to work in the, he started out in the business the same way I did, same department, the vault or master control, whatever you want to call it. And then he went to ASC because, you know, he wanted to shoot stuff and had shot some stuff. And he graduated and um, he came to town and was just like ready to work. And he had heard, uh, I was on another podcast, a, a mentor of mine. It's called uh, Respect the Process from uh, Jordan Brady, who's a commercial director. And he heard that and saw a few things because we had, you know, it's a very large in town but it's also a very small industry regardless of how big it actually is. You mm -hmm. know, everybody kind of knows mm -hmm. everybody or has heard or something. Pretty seen. closely, not very far removed. Yeah, right. it's a big, small town. Exactly, man. So um, he reached out and we struck up a conversation. And I said, look, man, I really want to do, like build up my comedy dialogue reel of like 30 and 60 spots. And he's like, yeah, me too. Um, because he does a lot of shorts and a lot of, you know, did music videos and he did shorts and stuff like that. So we partnered up. Um, he's like a bunch of his own gear, as a lot of them do. Um, but, you know, he just, we got along really well. Uh, the way he runs like a crew and his sensibility is just like mine. So a lot of, we, we struck up a shorthand really quickly and we see eye to eye on a lot of things. Um, so he shot a lot of, a huge amount of the stuff that's currently like on my show reel uh, and a lot of the 30 second spots and stuff like that. Um, we just did one thing and, and that's one, one thing that I was like, man, I could do a whole discussion on this last job or these last two jobs, but this job that we just finished, finished, um, who happened to be for kickstand Matt and Bo, um, and it was called, uh, it's for Ted's Brain Science. And oh, I saw that cream. one, yes, Ted's Pain um, Cream. And we did that, and it, it was kind of one of those jobs that was so collaborative that it's, well, it's certainly for me, and I know also for, for Mark, it kind of gave us like this weird new, uh, shed new light on our, as everyone says, your creative voice. Um, and it just kind of helped me learn a lot about being a director and just my creative taste, like brought, got me back in touch with my roots even, you know, of like, oh man, I'm a, you know, I'm a wild kid. Like I was, I was wild growing up, you know, like I was in punk bands, like I was wild. Like I had kids and then moved back to Arlington and all of a sudden there was this mustache on my face and like all my shirts had buttons on the collar. And I was like, oh, I used to be super cool. And now I don't feel like I'm as cool. And it was just one of those things. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. It really, I've been feeling this kind of weird urge, these weird creative urges lately. And like that job really defined a lot of things. Like, 
you know, scratched a lot of itches and quenched some thirst in me, but also like made me even hungrier and, and thirstier to pursue projects that are, that are like that, that are just different, you know, cause the one thing that I've realized is, you know, I'm 39, but a lot of this industry, there's, it's like even up at the very top, there's production companies and agencies that are like, we saw this rad Instagram video by this content creator. And this is who we want to direct this Nike spot, this something insane. And it's because they want something weird and different and yeah, wild. Yeah. It's the year 2020. And the country's in a weird state where even the people that aren't saying it to a degree are like want difference and change and diversity. And everybody's on a an effort to be inclusive and be diverse and explore and try different things and be more open to culture. And of course that goes for advertising because while what I just said is true, it's still America advertising and commerce drives it. Yeah. And I'll put a, uh, the video you're talking about, I'll put links to that in the show notes. So if you you want to go check it out, um, that was really creative, very fun, like little piece kind of vintage, like throwback kind of vibe to it. Uh, you mentioned that that was kind of like scratching a bunch of itches that you've had that you haven't gotten to for a little bit. What kind of stuff were you are you traditionally doing or like typically typically doing that hasn't been doing that that's made you kind of like realize like oh this is what I want to be doing more. Yeah. Uh, well, so I do, and before I have to preface everything I say with all the stuff that I do on a kind of day in day out regular basis still like does satisfy me it may or i'd say it maintains my my creative my everyday workout you know yeah um but i do you know i'll do still do a lot of like corporate direct to client internal facing videos um as well as like outward facing stuff of you know i'll still do like event things um but even the like comedy spots at first were more like a couple of actors, comedy dialogue, setup, punchline, tagline, subtle, kind of Geico, you know, the funny jokes in there, but it's just kind of like everyday people experiencing things mm-hmm. or interacting, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. nothing like a, the hyper creative concept. And that's not to that is not whatsoever to downplay that advertising because it's built huge companies and great careers and spawned a lot more creative stuff from other people. But, um, you know, like I did some, a series of campaigns for texaslending.com, um, which are like notoriously, you know, historically, I should say here locally, they're low budget commercials. You know, they're all done like kind of internally. And they wanted to expand, and um, a colleague of mine was an executive creative director at uh, Maroc, the agency here. And he started his own boutique agency called Whiskey Bacon Club. And um, I, when I started building my comedy reel, I reached out to him and said, "Hey, you know, like I want to shoot something together now. I want to build my comedy reel. You know, you got anything?" 
even if it's unproduced, rejected boards, unproduced scripts. Um, and he said, you know what? I need a like, kind of like a flagship spot for my agency. So we shot something really out there. And before he was like, hey, man, this, this is probably going to piss some people off um, in the industry and ad agencies. Um, but it, that's actually a spot that we did in that, the funeral home that I used to always deliver flowers to. Um, and it was a funny thing about how kind of like it was basically just opened up on this funeral home and there's a casket and a young male and female are standing there and they kind of are looking at the casket and she's like, well, you know, did they ever figure out what killed him? And he was like, oh, um, I, th- I can't remember how the copy and it was like four lines, but it was basically like a cancer of the culture inability to pivot from a data-driven commodity um, and I think a case of gouging and it's just talking about like giant agencies mm-hmm. and she's like kind of had it coming and the guy's like oh tragic and then a tag, the tag pops up um, the traditional ad agency model is dead long live whiskey bacon club and it I mean yeah it pissed off like a few people but it was but it's true yeah you know? And the agencies, the big agencies, they're there and they'll, they're there. They're there to stay. It'll be, they'll probably never go, all go away. But what like the advancement in technology and social media has done for advertising has created all of these boutiques that are able to like create cost efficiencies and focus totally on creative, no matter what that creative is. And so it's really brought all these awesome artists up to like kind of exercise. Now, is it every single day you're doing exactly what you want to do and it's the best thing ever? No, but you're doing what you want to do in the industry as a career. I think everybody has that. Um, And so the spots that I did with Whiskey Bacon Club really helped me exercise working with actors a lot. It's like specifically, which is one thing I realized, like, oh, I like am in love with working with actors. Because like I said, I work with, collaborate and hire people that are way better at their jobs. You know, like I always make sure I'm not the smartest person in the room and everybody does really amazing work and I don't have to worry about it because we do enough prep that everybody knows what's going on and can pivot on set and stay creative. That way I can work with like actors um, and I can work with the creatives. Um, And so getting on that Ted's job, um, which was great because I did a Texas lending spot. Um, the agency won an Addy for one of them. Actually, the first one that we did won an Addy. And that night I saw three agencies that won like a butt ton of awards. And I think Kickstand won a bunch. Like, I honestly don't know how, how many. So I'll just say like, I think they won like 12 awards. That I wouldn't night. be surprised, man. They probably. I did. feel like every time some of those come around, they're like, yeah, we got a few more Clio's. We got some more Addies this year. Uh, like, sweeping up shop again. We get it. <laughs> you guys are awesome. <laughs> but I reached out to him and same thing. I'm working on my comedy dialogue reel. Every single thing that is on your website is hashtag wish I had directed. Like I literally wish I directed every single spot on that site. It's so good. So I just realized like my comedic style and what I love like is very in line with what that agency does. And so I just told him, if he got anything, I would love a chance to throw my hat in the ring. 
and I think, and I'm not certain, but I think they were on one track with something totally different and a different client maybe even. And then we're like, no, you know what? We're going to write something for our, you know, one of, one of our, you know, most favorite clients and write something out there that we've been talking about, but it's hard to actually execute because there's a myriad of other things. You know, you don't know if this is going to work. Well, people, if you don't know it's going to work or less inclined to sort of support it mm-hmm. financially mm-hmm. or just back it, period. Especially whenever, like, advertising campaigns are so short-lived. Yeah, man. It's such a short shelf life because of social media. Like, we're where we're at because of social media and technology, but good and bad. You know, like, the shelf life is non-existent. It's done. It's quick. It's gone just as quick as it's up. Yeah. So, you know, they. I think they pivoted and we're like, we're going to do this thing. And I think I remember Matt sending me the script and it was just almost like a month later that they were like, you know, working, but then like, okay, we're going to work on this thing that Joe emailed us about. And they finally sent it. And I think he honestly was like, I don't know how you would do this or if you want to do it, you're under no obligation, but you asked. So here you go. And I read it twice in back to back. And it was like, this is what I'm missing. And I don't know how we did it, man, but we just talked back and forth, the three of us, Bo, Matt, and I, a million ideas for me. Well, most of them bad. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and Matt's like, okay, cool, but this is, this is more, this idea is more accurate for XYZ reasons. And what I did, man, was I literally just sat there and notated mentally, honestly, sometimes physically would make notes and remember them later, but um, would just pay attention to the creative process on the other side, like on the agency side. Like, why were they, and I would ask them, like, okay, cool, why? Not necessarily like that, but why did you make this decision? Or, you know, in a roundabout way, try to quote, coax a, a description of, you know, why he thought that way. And it was so insightful and I was like always on board, even when I would, they'd, Matt would come up with the craziest ideas and Bo would come up with a crazy idea and I'd be like, what? I don't even understand. Oh my God, that's amazing. You know, like, I, I feel like, I don't know, they would say amazing, but I feel like a few times at least through the pre-production, production and post, because I cut it, the, the TED spot, I cut that also. Um, I think there were a few times in all three of the stages that they were like, I don't understand why he's thinking, oh, okay, that's cool. That works. Great. Moving on to the next awesome thing. And so it finished and um, the client loved it. Um, You know, they were able to get, you know, bump it on social media. It's like a couple of weeks. I mean, it's been like, it's almost been a month, maybe just over a month, but it's like, past to like 500,000 views, like on their Facebook page. I know specifically that it sold four extra bottles just because they're from people in my family. It doesn't necessarily <laughs> matter. They made the purchase. So the client was happy. The agency was happy. Sales. If nothing else, <laughs> you sold four more units. You heard it here first. Advertising works. It works, man. <laughs> <laughs> For the good and the bad. It works. So yeah, it, it that that really sh- shed a bunch of like light that job, um, and we followed it 
up with this other fun spot right after for a different agency. Um, and that was fun because I got to find what my weird quirky thing was. And so there was a, a giant bearded construction worker in a bubble bath in the spot that we did right after the Ted's thing. The next thing that I'm working on, the main character is like a baseball mascot. And the one that we're prepping after that is, has to have a dude wearing pretty much a human water cooler. So you look at the big jug that has all the water in it with the little cups, but it's gonna be a dude and he's gonna like be in the jug trying to hard sell a client. So that's kind of the thing that I realized the most was like, okay, the, the, what Ted's did for me and working with those guys was sort of kind of get me back to my roots of like wildness and, and, and calculated risks and educated guesses and um, using your experience to be creative and to not worry about um, I've got this weird idea. We should do it. And don't stress about, as you said earlier, like don't stress about if it's going to work or not. Because that, what I found out, was what I was doing previously on a lot of spots. I'd say the Ted spot and then like a, a spot right before that that I did was kind of like weird and not specifically. It was like a hybrid. It was more just like a couple of people kind of playing non-super exciting situation with like one weird little element. And so that's kind of where it started progressing. But what I realized was everything before that is I was just trying to like sort of um, prove that I could direct something for a client that was solving a problem mm -hmm. and, and just like, it just needs to look pretty and be nice and be funny and serve the purpose and not trying to like plus a job. Um, or take any creative risks. And I would send stuff to some of my mentors because I've got like people I consider four mentors. And I don't think any of them would agree with that, but I'm creatively who I am because of them, five mentors. Um, and they would watch stuff and they would go, you know, this is great and it's pretty and XYZ things are awesome, but I've seen it or why didn't you try this? I've seen you do these things before on something else. You know, there's no risks taking, like, why aren't you taking any risks on, on this? And so that's what I really realized was like, focus, plan, listen, research, party. Like do a lot of legwork and then get on set and just let your instinct take over, you know? So that's what we did with the Ted's thing. And that's what we did on this cool Normandy spot. And, you know, that always helps. It always keeps things fresh and keeps people excited on set. So when you say, when you say like plan prep, whatever, whatever, whatever party, and you get on set and kind of let it go, are you, are you still sticking pretty, pretty close to the things you've done in pre-production at that point? Yeah. Shoot the script first. Okay. Shoot your boards, shoot your script to just to th throw it out, you know, just to, to to use it fast and loose, like get it out of the way. And I mean that, like, I mean that honestly, respectfully, like do that first. That's what's paying the bill. 
get everybody happy, get the creatives, get the client, whomever is on the set that you have to report to. Show them every single thing. Show them every shot. Get them to sign off on it. Show, watch playbacks. Tell them why you want to do things. Get them happy. And then, like, literally turn around to them and go, okay, I got some crazy ideas. You guys ready to have some fun? And they're like, yeah, man. Because they've already seen that product shot. They've already been like, oh, that's perfect. So they're already comfortable in any, like, apprehensions already kind of there and subdued in their mind. Absolutely. It's from my experience. And that's something I learned from that guy, Jordan Brady. And I've done it once before on the TED shoot. I was like, all right, first thing we're doing, product shot. Very first thing. And there's so many crews and directors and producers that be like, you're crazy. Do that last while the crew's wrapping the set. Like, no, no, no. Do it first. Get everybody rolling. Get the client happy. Jordan's told me that he's done product shots first and the client's like, cool, later. And just flew home early. And they just shot the rest of the spot for free, you know, for the rest of the day and had fun. Because the product looked awesome. So... We get everybody, get everything that you've prepped and planned and worked so hard. Everybody's worked so hard to do. Get that done and then literally tell everybody. Like, change your mood, change the music on your set, change your attitude, and turn around to everybody and be like, you guys ready to do something fun? I said, that's crazy. So-and-so had a crazy idea. We got plenty of time to do X, Y, Z. Let's do it. So the, these ideas that you're coming up with, is it stuff that you've already kind of had in the back of your mind previous to showing up that day and working? Or is it just kind of like in the moment, like, oh, I just had this idea. Here, let's try this thing real quick. It's it's both. It's I wish it was more like, oh, I just got had this crazy idea. That was Matt and Bo on set. Oh, I instantly had this idea. And, you know, but me, it's like I've had some ideas. They're like, okay, we've got this and we're going to. I'm just going to keep it in my back pocket until we get everything and then go, oh, what about this? Yeah. Um, but it, it does, you know, there's a multitude of times that, um, I mean, there's one specific thing. The In that TED's video, there's a, a um, there's a 30 and then we did a 90 version of that TED's. And in the long form, there's kind of like two other quote unquote treatments that the Dr. Mallard prescribes. And in one of them, there's a, uh, they're, I guess they all have a reveal of the quote-unquote patients that are in this spot. And um, on one of them, it was like well, they, those actual intro, character introductions were like completely improvi- improvised on set. Um, one by the actor, one by me, and then I think that one of them was from our grip. Oh, man, I'm not entirely certain, but I'm pretty sure it was just like somebody, one of our family members on the crew that was like, hey, you brought that chair. We have this furniture dollar. What if we just slide him in on the chair? And I was like, oh, my God, that is it. And I turned around and Matt and Bo were like, mm-hmm. And they're just grinning and smiling. Like, yep, <laughs> that's what we do, you know. And that just comes from planning and prepping because then you get to, my sets are always fun, even if they're kind of somewhat if they're not comedy spots, you know, like I did this kind of um, docu-style thing for Baylor one time about like a stroke awareness or like interviewing uh, people that have had strokes like in their homes. And it's like, you know, that's not the shiniest and sunniest of subject matters, but those people aren't like that. You know, they're f- happy and fun and healthy and doing well. So my sets are always 
positive and funny and energetic and there's music and it's exciting and people are laughing and joking and I'm offering to go get people things from craft services because people are working hard and doing their job and you know it's it's fun it's exciting um, and because of that and because we prep so much we're able to just go why don't you just put that chair on a furniture dolly sit the actor in the chair slide the chair in cool have you always been uh so open to input from other people on set mm-hmm. okay because i can it up. i could see how like for me me personally like if being in that situation uh I might be a little bit apprehensive to do that. And and I think really as I try to unpack that stuff and why, it really comes from a place of either pride and or insecurity mm. that either I my ideas are better or this person doesn't know what they're talking about mm-hmm. or, um, well, why do I need their input? Is mine not good enough or is kind of, you know? Yeah. Oh, which man, really yeah, just reflects that. on me, right? Yeah, it's not. <laughs> of course. But it's hard because it's difficult to like let things like that go, even though you realize them about yourself. Mm-hmm. And so the only way to do is just constantly remind yourself and work through it. In my opinion, because I do, I suffer from the same thing, you know? I suffer from like massive insecurity and massive like, oh, this director friend of mine just did this. There's no chance I'm ever going to get to do something like that because why would they go to me? They got him. Why? You know what I mean? And it's just, and it's not like that. And you'll find that so many people, what I've realized is people that just unsolicited or not present ideas to you, the majority of the time, they aren't going, his ideas are bad. They're going... Honestly, I wonder if he will think this is cool. I'm going to tell him about it. Mm-hmm. And so you're, and if you're, if it's not, but you got time, like do it. You know, like yeah. if you sow a seed of acceptance and growth and openness, it perpetuates it. So, I mean, most of the time as a, a director or a content producer and like a creative in an agency, like, you know, there's usually a few small above the line people that get all of the credit when it's just like, I've got these ideas. Hey, people that are great at what they do, can you do this thing for us? You know, help us execute this thing. And so if you just kind of, that's going to happen like inevitably because it's just how this industry is. So if you are just inclusive, accept people's ideas, nurture that creativity in them, um, listen and be open, it's just going to exponentially grow in your benefit and for everybody's benefit. You know, they're going to keep coming up with cool ideas. They're going to understand you better. You're going to understand them better. There's going to be a shorthand that develops that translates to efficiencies on set that it translates to time for more creativity and ultimately like a, a better ad or a, a better piece. So I think I also realized like I was able to combat, I'm able to daily combat my um, insecurities by reminding myself, like, I wish I was, I wish I was the creative 
that could be like, mm, no, this is a, a better idea and we're going to do it and do it. Or those, these, honestly, these kids, because I'm going to be 39, that I'm just like, what are you thinking? That was incredible. Everyone loves that thing. Why do they love that thing? Um, I think I just quickly realized, like, as much as I want to be the end-all, be-all, awesome, creative badass, that people are like, he's just so creative. He just comes up with the coolest ideas that it's better to realize, like, I'm not. There are people that want to do different things that don't want to direct or do want to direct that ultimately have great ideas, you know. Just take them. (laughs) Give them credit. Like, tell them, like, so-and-so came up with this idea. And look what it turned out to be. I'm so grateful for that person, you know. Um, I just think creativity is something that everybody has in them. What I think being a professional creative um, and a regular creative is a job that you have to work at every single day and you have to exercise it every single day and it has to be a habit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because it's not a, I'm there. And yeah. I, I think from the outside, it can kind of seem like that, like, oh, that person has made it. They're there, mm-hmm. but they're still not. Mm-hmm. No, no. And, and, or at least if they they shouldn't they shouldn't be right because yeah. if I feel like if they're ever at a point where somebody thinks oh I'm here I've made it then that's kind of the end of the growth probably because mm-hmm. they're not pushing themselves to grow anymore and then that's when you get stagnant stale oh, and kind of then you fall off the radar uh, or whatever a million things happen as soon uh, as you get stagnant do you okay so you mentioned that you were you work with a collective basically or this this company. How much of your work is that versus freelance? What do you, where do you draw the line between well, one or the other? How does that, does that make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I don't, so I've, I guess through my career, I've had more um, staff work than freelance work. Um, it's just sort of like the trajectory has aligned perfectly where I've had more staff opportunities. Um so I currently work four side jobs. I'm on staff there, uh, the director, editor there. Um, but we work with other agencies. I mean, we work with direct-to-client. Um, and honestly, most of the time, unless it's like a, unless it's not lucrative financially for the company, like it's a teeny tiny budget, um, and it's a short, small schedule, and there's nothing else really important that I have going on, I would talk to them and be like, hey, there's this thing. It's not really makes sense for side shops to take it on. And I'm just going to take like a, you know, a, a day and go shoot this thing or something and cut out my downtime. They'll, you know, they'll, they would let me. Um, but most of the time I find that anyone that reaches out to me, it sort of makes more sense since, you know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm married. I have a soon to be five-year-old and a new, newly turned three-year-old I got a mortgage, I got bills, all the usual stuff. Um, You know, I'm in a place where I kind of have, you know, free reign to do what I want to do almost on, like, paid jobs and not paid jobs, you know? Like, I'm, I'm the director and the editor there, and so I, you know, get to do the work, you know, the clients that we get, I do those jobs the way that I want to do them. 
And when I don't have something that's on the books, you know, I'll go out with my crew and an idea and we'll shoot something to build for the real. And so if something comes up freelance, um, I will typically figure out a way to just fold it, bring it into side jobs. Just because I mean, I don't have anything to do. I'm going to hire these people anyways. And for a lot of the jobs, it's like, eh, I'm not going to make that much more money than I would like with like a salary, but also I've got great insurance, you know? So it's kind of like my schedule is so flexible there. I've, I'm so well provided for and they, you know, Shelby, Shelby Miller like nurtures my creativity. He's like, yeah, man, go. Because again, he believes high tide raises all ships. So we work hard on like networking with clients and agencies and me personally developing relationships with these people. Um, I mean, you know, we, we have a, a now repeat client that pretty much cut the agency that we first were contracted through out because like, yeah, we don't need them at all. We need you guys. And so now we're like direct to client and it was never like a big issue or anything like that. It was kind of like a mutual thing from the agency and the client, but and you know, that's just that kind of, it's the wild west again in terms of advertising and production now. Yeah, know? it is. It's kind of like one thing that we, you know, so many companies struggle with is like the, you ask someone, okay, how much do you have? And they're like, oh, well, how much do you think it's going to cost? It's because everybody still has the mindset of like, oh, the company is going to somewhat gouge me or try to make a huge profit. And it's like, no, nowadays, because it's so competitive and everyone is creates content, you know, we all want to work and develop relationships instead of just get rich quick. You know, like we're trying to put as much, we're trying to cover what we need to cover, take care of what we need to take care of. But we're also really trying to put every dollar that we can on the screen. Yep. You know? Yep. And it's this like slow, gradual understanding that clients are going, okay, this company person or this company, you know, they do have our interest in mind. They're not just trying to get rich. Yeah, it's not not asking because I'm trying to figure out how much I can make off of them. It's right. I'm asking because I'm trying to figure out, do I need to do this job by myself or can I afford to hire five people and rent a bunch of cool gear mm-hmm. to and, do the same project? Right. And what's, what's the most appropriate approach? Right. Is it smarter for, like this thing that we're doing for this one client that I shot yesterday, it was like a big distribution warehouse where they create smart devices. And... It was huge, and there could have been one way to do it, but ultimately I was like, you know what? Between me shooting and directing and Rob, my one of my cinematographers that uses like the Segway and the gimbal, like we got this covered because we're going to take this exact approach. And it saved the client some cash, built their trust in us, still made us the company. I mean, the company still made money. You know, we're still great. Like, we didn't have to, like, skimp on anything. They didn't have to skimp. And everybody's happy. And before we shot that, they're like, cool, can you guys also fly out this week and go shoot these other two things for us? Like, after we leave here, man, I got three hours, and then I got to beat DFW. <laughs> I'm flying out tonight to shoot all day tomorrow. Um, and and so it's important to, to – we try to have that conversation with a lot of clients. You know, like, look, we're not pocketing all your money. We're, gonna, we're trying to figure out the best approach 
to your problem and how, or, you know, how to solve your problem. And if that's one man that can do X, Y, Z things, then that's what we're going to do. We're going to save some cash. We're going to make some money and we're going to solve the problem. Um, and sometimes it's not, sometimes it's like, no, we got to be real meticulous. A lot of certain things have to happen. That means more hands because hands equate to time. Time gets to creativity or making your day. And so some productions need like that full on big crew, but there's a lot of companies nowadays that aren't, you know, they're figuring out like, what's the right tool for the job. Do you, do y'all have any sort of a process in place or like for pricing or how you figure out what something's going to be priced at or what's, um, you know, there's always like the traditional old school of like typically editor rates or this day room rates or this DP rates or that, you know, everybody's got a day rate kind of a thing. And so we usually go, you know, it's usually cause clients are still hesitant to go. If you can get this scope of work done with this amount of money by this time, that's what we want. It's like, this is the scope of work. This is the date. How much will it cost? As I said, mm-hmm. so we sometimes still have, you know, a lot of times still have to do that dance and you send out a bid that's too much because you're like, this is the day rates of the people, of the technicians and artists that we think we need to execute this job. And they go, great. Or they go, we need you to trim a day or cut X amount of dollars even sometimes. And then you go, okay, what can I shed before I then have to go to an artist or technician and say, here's the situation. Client has now said X, Y, Z, we've cut this, but we still have to do that. And then that's never fun because you don't want to go to someone and say, hey, there's this job. This is all that they've got. Are you willing to do it? Like, I don't like saying it, but at the same time, that's just a reality, you know? And so that's why I'm consistently put artists and technicians first and their comfort and their best interest first. Because I do have to go to them and say, hey, unfortunately, I had you bid for two days for your regular rate, but we can't do that. We have to do one day. So could you do one day for this rate? I'm also going to put you up for this thing or, you know, and just always let them know, like, look, man, this is the situation. And I'm so sorry, but this is what's happening. And what I've been finding out is, and none of the artists, technicians that I've been working with the past few years that I've developed like a family relationship with, like, they're not like, I mean, you know, everybody's got, they're like, oh, it's been a slow few weeks. It's been a slow few months or I haven't been home in forever. So none of them are like suffering by any means. Everybody's happy and healthy and well and paying bills and working, but they want to keep working. They want to get better. They need to make money. And there's realizing like, oh, this is just how it is. This is how it's getting is like companies have a certain amount of money and you have to kind of figure out what that amount of money is most of the time nowadays. And you got to get creative. And like as far of, as like figuring out what that amount is. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they won't, I mean, will you just straight up ask them or how do you, or what, yeah. like, how do you find out usually? Literally our executive producer will literally say, 
how much are you know what number are you guys trying to stay within because you know nowadays like every single time you put out a bid and you're like oh that's too high and it's not it's not too high it's like you know, I've, I know from being triple bid on, you know, other jobs, you're like, mm, this person bid this for 80 grand. And you're like, no, nah, it's like literally could be done for 40 grand. And everybody gets a day rate. They're a day rate. And everybody has a great lunch and breakfast. And like everything, you know, no expenses spared. So, and that just kind of comes from, you know, information that you glean and understanding the politics and how how the industry actually like works and and bidding and and those relationships between agencies and production companies and clients and you know that whole trifecta so you you, you we literally just like we'll flat out ask sometimes and most of the you know sometimes you're like oh yeah x amount of dollars you're like okay cool and you send him a bid it's just a slightly you know right at a little over every now and then it's like a little less not anything comparable um or you're over and when you're over like you, you, that's when the discussion starts of that's higher than we need can you get rid of this day or this thing or could we just do this instead so then you probably, I guess you give them, give client the option of, hey, look, this is kind of what we've imagined this is going to cost, and this is why that we feel like this is the things we need to do, and we've tried to get it within your budget range. Mm-hmm. And then would you just put it back on them to say, hey, what what cuts do you want to make then? What sacrifices? Yeah, either sign here or tell us. So then you, know, you whenever the conversation you, forward, what's, are what you, you giving them like a, this? are you giving them a full, like, like whenever you present a pricing, or whatever a proposal to, to a client, potential client, is are they getting like a line item? Mm-hmm. Like this is every little different thing costs this, uh, or well, is it the whole project is going to be $25,000? It's a, it's like, you know, there's not like, a, the, we got 12 C stands and they're 10 bucks a piece kind of a thing. But yeah, it's like, uh, here's the production cost that's got these artists and technicians in production. Here's post-production that includes these things and it's this cost. Um, and then, like, most of the time, most of the time, the free work, my treatment, you know, my director's treatment, which is pictures and words and not funny jokes that I'm hoping are funny to people, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, and, and our executive, executive producer will send that off to the client, like, uh, you know, kind of a recap of what they're seeing. And then here's the here's the bid. Here's what, you know. Joe sees the approach would be let's talk and just go from there you know yeah and see what they say so it sounds like you have been mostly um not really I guess per se freelance yeah as much as like running helping run a studio uh is there any particular reason why you've gone that route like have you considered doing the solopreneur like freelance route and kind of, um, yeah, you know, man, I have, I mean, everybody thinks about like, you know, wanting to be your own boss and setting your own schedule and rules and stuff. And, um, I think it's a con, I think it's honestly, it's a few things that factor into that one. I, I do, I do love where I work. I have a lot of support. It works 
really well for my family. Um, I know that, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm proud of like my body of work and I'm totally proud of my career. Um, I got to where I am by just pestering and asking questions and learning on my own accord and not really having mentors until I sort of the past maybe three years did I get like mentors that was sort of quote unquote helped me level up um I mean the Ted's thing is like you know entered into like a bunch of award shows and like it's going to like like I think they're submitting it for like the Clio's, you know. Like I just I like I directed a spot that's gonna like go to the Clio's, yeah. like, win or not. Like to me, that's pretty rad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's cool. <laughs> you know, and like, I, and so I and and so, but with that, like I, you know, part of my insecurity, I'm like, I'm not, I'm never good enough, you know. Like I watched the TED spot, and I'm like, I see literally, what was it? Two weeks ago, I looked. There's 13 things that I was like, I wish I would have done this, or this needs. To, I, I should have changed this. Like, still, like over a month later, and like the success. It's you know, it's a successful mm-hmm. campaign. Mm-hmm. I'm still just like, oh man, so many things I want to change. The news thing that I just did with the the bathtub, you know, it's like tiniest little things. Like, oh, I should have done this, and like, I don't know if it'll be that much better, but I know I wouldn't be wishing I had done this. So I'm kind of always still insecure, like, oh, I'm not good enough and I need to get better. And like, what's the next thing? Um, and, and working here, like, gives me that opportunity because I'm able to go. I really want to go after these projects. And as of like right now or kind of recently, they've been like small, micro budget and honestly some spec stuff and just free like I want this type of a spot on my reel and reach out to a creative I want to build a relationship with them so we produce an un a rejected board or script and it's for both of our reels and it's for some of my crew members reels and if I'm freelance I can't guarantee that I'm going to be able to hire these people later to sort of offset make up for this like free thing that they were like this is awesome we love it we had fun but we weren't paid money we were like fed and have something awesome. Well, I've got a steady job so I can hire these people and try to like, Hey, here's this job. It's going to be a super easy shoot. And here's your day rate. You're awesome. And when we think, you know, we think that way at side shops, you know, we'll, we'll get a job that's got the great budget and, um, we can accommodate, we can make the client feel great and provide, you know, provide every, all the bells and whistles that lots of clients are used to like in production and post-production, um, without raking them over the coals and taking a boatload of cash and putting it all in the bank, but we can still pay crew back. And so like, we'll, like my people flat out ask, like, we owe any favors or people, you know, do we ask any favors? Do we owe anybody anything? I'm like, Oh yeah. You know what we do? Let's hire this person for that. And they're like, awesome. And we need that position filled. It serves a need in production or post, and it repays a favor, gets somebody work, nurtures a relationship. And so being like on staff somewhere helps me do that. I I love like being able to, I'll be the first person to be like, yeah, this isn't a job for me. Like I, or I can't do this, or you know who could do this better or 
I don't have time. We can't schedule it. Whatever the reason may be, I've always, always loved like getting jobs for people, like helping people get work. Like, I don't know. It's just something I've been, it's really easy for me to do. <laughs> like it's, it's like, well, in that case, if you want to bring me some work, yeah, man, no. <laughs> dude, I, you know, what's, you know, what's really funny is when I was like stalking through your Instagram <laughs> account and I was wondering what you were like shooting the other day, um, that you were like posting, um, Step out of the convention center? Yeah. Oh, dude, that was... But nonetheless... That was a dumpster fire. That's I, what that was. <laughs> I'm just going to be straight up. That was dumpster a fire. shit show. Oh, <laughs> and they are sometimes, you know? But that's the thing, dude. It's like, honestly, like this, like, you know, I mean, like, I've I, I've done my fair, stare, fair share of, like, stalking, like, your work. And that's one thing that I always like to do is like, I just want to meet people that I can like work with also like new artists, like just keep like, you're going to make me better. Like when we work together, like I'll figure, I'll find something. That's one thing. Like I will find something to learn mm -hmm. from every person and every job and every situation. If it's, it's just one thing. Um, but you know, it's like, I, I, I like the work that I've like seen off of your site, off of your like Instagram even alone. Mm -hmm. And so it's like stuff like that. I'm like, I want to work with those people. I want to work with those people. Like I need something from you. Like I won't tell you what it is, but like I need something from you. And so like, I want to work together so I can like learn something awesome from you. And you know, it's not to steal. It's to like educate myself and to be better for my artists, for actors, for the agency, for anybody. Um, and I think maybe like, you know, being freelance and having to try to generate my own work, it's like, a, it's a, honestly an insecurity. I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't know if, it's like, I know I'm good with people and I know I'm good at getting people jobs, but it's been forever and non-existent of me having a consistent basis of like having to be freelance and, and finding work, you know? So I'm like, eh, it's not serving, you know, there's, there's nothing really outside of like some giant rep or giant, giant production company just swooping me from obscurity that isn't, that, that offers me, there's no deal out there that like offers me something that I don't have right now. Mm -hmm. Like as stressed as I might get and frustrated, like, oh, I'm not doing this type of a job because I want that's what I want to do, what I love to do, and I feel like I'm good at, and I need to get better at. Like, everybody has that, no matter the scale of where you're at, you know? Like, some of the biggest comedy commercial directors are still like, I haven't worked in a month. You know, I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't like this spot. You know, I don't like that I have to do X, Y, Z things, you know? Um... So it's, it's always like a daily struggle for me to realize that like where I'm at now is kind of like where I'm supposed to be for a myriad of reasons. And when it's time for me to like move on or do something, whatever that is, if that's like um, evolving within the company at Side Chops or being somewhere else, like it'll happen when it's supposed to happen. But, you know, right now, like we're, we're doing the company side jobs is growing. We're doing great. I'm learning. I'm exercising. I'm, you know, at the same time being 
creatively satisfied and challenged and not challenged, which keeps me like hungry and want to do more and want to learn more. And, you know, at the same time, like I still, I, I, dude, unless I've got a shoot or a client in the edit suite or a deadline for something, like I still leave at like 2.45 on Thursdays and Fridays to go pick up my kids and hang out with them. And then I'm off on the weekends. So you know? do you have, do you have like set like office hours typically or like I, you have to be in the office at certain hours or anything? Cause I think I mean, for me, like part of the reason I've, a big part of the reason I freelance for so long is because, um, I'm the homeschool kid that doesn't want to be told yeah. when I have to go to class and when right. I'm not, I'm like, I'll get my work done when I'm going to get my work done. Yeah. And so there's definitely a lot of, uh, kind of intrigue or allure to be, oh, to not freelancing. Like it's something I've thought about a decent amount because I'm like, man, you know what? There's a lot of the sides of the business that I've done for a long time, but man, it's kind of draining me out Mm. over time. And and it's funny. It's kind of funny talking about that on the podcast right now because it's Freelance Friday and it's about freelancing and helping people freelance. (laughs) And here I am like, do I really want to keep freelancing? Do I, is it really all it's cracked up to be? Because because all the time that I spend working on the non like creative kind of stuff, you know, I, I, it's just like, I have to spend it on that stuff and I'm not getting to work on the creative stuff when yeah. this is the whole reason I got into it was to be able to do that stuff. Yeah. Right. Um, so anyway, I'll just say, do you have that? Yeah. Well, I was going to say, you know what, man, I have that same problem. And it's kind of like one of the, you know, it's the, it's the, it's the grass is always greener mm-hmm. conundrum. Um, and it's something that, you know, like you, I feel like a lot of freelancers to a degree share, um, creatives, I should say, maybe even not even just like singling it out to freelancers. It's just like creatives is that you are usually, you know, I certainly am equally, um, impatient and too ambitious. Like I am far too excessive in both of those traits. And those are like the two traits that you just, you shouldn't have. <laughs> but everybody does to a degree. You mm-hmm. know, everybody's like somewhat impatient and you're also can't be pleased to a degree. Otherwise you wouldn't want to be better and you wouldn't really have a successful or even Successful to me also means evolution, like you're evolving to some degree. Um, and, and so it's, you know, I have that. I, you know, I'm like, ah, oh, I don't want to go shoot this thing. Like, that's not what I'm trying to do. Shit, man, I just learned this thing by shooting that, you know, and I wouldn't have if I didn't. And that helps me, and you can translate what you learned to a different aspect, you know. So... I've, I've become, like, I, I grew up, like I said, I've always been, like, really wild. Just didn't want to take turns, didn't want to share, didn't want to sit down and go, didn't want to stop recess when it was time, didn't want to start recess because I was still eating, didn't want to go to lunch because I was, you know, writing this thing, you know, when I was in school, you know, so I've always kind of, like, not wanted to do things on certain schedules, but I realized, like, I need it. And so it's only now that I've gotten older and become organized and become um, and thought like logically and 
prepared, kind of tried to maintain that throughout my whole life, that now as I've gotten older, I've realized like, oh, I kind of need a little bit more. Like I've realized I'm a very middle of the road person. Like I'm kind of, I'm, I'm without a doubt a little bit country and a little bit rock and roll, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a little hot and I'm a little cold, you know? Like I, I've just kind of always been that sort of like I want to blur that. I want to blur a little line a little bit. I want to be a little bit of everything. I've just kind of always been that type of person, and so as I've grown and become like organized, I've realized like, oh, I'm responsible now, and if I'm passionate about something, then it's even a better result because I'm passionate and I'm just now a responsible human more so than I was. So I, I'll. I know stuff will get done, you know? Like, I, I know that I will get things done. Um, and I've started to crave a little bit more flexibility. And I, just being on staff at Side Shops, I've, I've sort of had that, you know? So, you know, I'm, I'm able, like, it's, it's uh, something that's, like, nurtured. It's like, all right, you're, yeah, he'll, he'll get it done. It'll get done. I don't have to worry about it getting, you know, like, the company doesn't worry about things not getting done because I'm doing it. Like I'm on the job, you know, it will get done. And that's enabled me to also focus on like, I'm not going to respond to this email right now because it does not have to have an answer. I'm, I'm, I am like laying out in the backyard, drinking an ice cold Lone Star. The kids are splashing around in the kiddie pool in the sprinkler system. It is five o'clock on a Thursday. Like life is good, you know, it's hard, man. I'll still get super stressed over nothing. And I always have to remind myself like, dude, you got it made. You've got insurance. All of your bills are more than paid. You got flexibility and you're getting to do what you want to do. Now, if I like leave and I have to, you know, make it my job to find jobs, which is pretty much what you do as a freelancer you know it's like that's your job is really finding jobs perpetually unemployed that's what i like to call it yeah (laughs) that is pretty much what it is but like how are you more happy than me i don't know we'll be here for the rest of the weekend talking about if you're happier more happy over me you know and so i mean one thing that i've just realized is is it's and that's kind of something that I think it's really important for freelancers that are new or younger to like realize it's like, like everybody says there's no set path, like how to get in this creative career of production or content creation, whatever you want to call it. Like there's a million roads Mm -hmm. and they all lead to the, this weird non-existent place of making it which is just always going like you've always made it. You're always just making things. You're always just paying this bill because of this job that you just did. You know, like you did it. If that's not doing it to you, quit doing it. Go do the nine to five thing. It might be exactly what you need. It might not be exactly what you need. The point is to like learn from the situation that you're in. Remember that most likely you're going to have to work hard to remind yourself that life is good and that you've got what you need 
and to remember that if you're not ambitious and you don't want to do something else, what's the next thing? Like you're not doing your job right because that's what's going to keep you sharp and keep you focused and make you successful is like what's the next thing. But it's the classic, as everybody talks about, the work-life balance. And it's cliche, but cliches are cliche for a reason because there's truth into it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like that's what you have to have. Like if I'm not, I'll I do better work if I'm drinking that ice cold beer, out literally laying in the sun, listening to music, drinking a beer while my kids are splashing me with water, running around, being loud, screaming, and that's great. And my life is better because I'm doing stuff like that. I'm just sitting back. Soaking it up. Yeah. And then like an hour later, I'm pulling my hair out because they're wild and they won't stop talking and they're crazy. But like, <laughs> would I be twice as stressed just sitting at the office worrying about something that didn't need to be worried about or didn't help solve a problem, you know, stressing about that kind of stuff? I personally don't think so. Like my work's going to be better if I'm experiencing life when I can. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really a matter of like, Focusing and realizing as you're young and starting out, like there's no set way to do this. Do this. It's 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 just trial and error and adapting and evolving and taking like risks. You know, like I know people that have left freelance and gone full time and stuck with it, never went back. I know people that like tried it for two weeks and went back to freelancing. I know people that still do it half and half. So. I think you really, you know, I personally just think that freelancing and staff employment, it's a, it's, it's not a work and life overlap for so many people nowadays. Yeah. Um, and that's a good thing and a bad thing. And to me, it's just sort of like you choose to make it a good thing and you work very hard to make that a good thing that you're that you're able to live a life and like send out an email that gets other people doing things that you can go back to your life and then when it's time for you to really focus on work you can focus on work um and just take the good with take the good with the bad yeah well and learn can, from it all yeah you got to take the good with the bad because without like you can't have one without the other absolutely right? like there's a lot of stuff that i look back on when i was a kid and you know, the situations that I, that I look back on that I'm not so fond of and call it trauma. Mm. And I mean, I remember I used to get frustrated about stuff, but then I kind of look back and I go, yeah, but you know what? I am who I am because of that stuff. And mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I, I can't be here without that stuff. If yeah. you take that stuff away. Um, and I think you make some good points as far as, especially when you're talking about just like hanging out drinking a beer, listening to music, playing with the kids. Like I'm not working, I'm not doing that stuff. And I'm very much a very go, 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 go person. Mm -hmm. Um, to the point that like one of my neighbors, even we were talking recently and he's like, have you ever considered that maybe and like thought about the fact that maybe you're a little bit like obsessive or manic? And I was like, really? Like, what, mm -hmm. why? What, what makes you think, like, like where is this coming from? Yeah. And he's like, well, dude, I've been watching you rebuild the engine on your van. And it's just like, you'll go out there and you'll be out there like all day long. 
Yeah. And I started thinking about it and I'm like, damn, you're kind of right, dude. Cause I mean, it would be like, I get up at seven o'clock in the morning and I go with the dogs outside at seven, eight o'clock in the morning. And while they're out there playing around, I'm underneath the van wrenching on stuff yeah. and I'm out there all day long until it's dark. And it's like, well, it's bedtime. And I'm like, man, maybe, uh, maybe I need to, to <laughs> just be a little more intentional with yeah. like, I'm going to stop right now. I don't have to do, I don't have to do all of it right now because I think part of it is like a fear of if I don't do it, like I'm not like the fear of missing out and, and, and I don't know, maybe, maybe it's, I'm afraid life is going to end mm-hmm. or something and stuff's going to be unfinished or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really it's like taking those rest times that allows me to actually do my better work in yeah. the times when I am focused in on it. Right. I mean, it's like I used to, even in college, I, I would sleep so little yeah. at night and kind of, I would pride myself on that and brag about it. Like, yeah, I'm a workhorse. I, I only just... slept four hours, you know. I only, I only need like four or five hours. Yeah. And now I'm like, oh, that's so stupid. Dude. Yeah. Sleep is really great. And because, I mean, I felt like it felt like a waste. It's like, well, yeah. I'm just doing nothing. Yeah. And I could be doing so much stuff while I'm yeah. sleeping. But really, like, the two have to go hand in hand. Yeah. You're going to experience diminishing returns, if anything, by like being exhausted. You know, yeah, your work's it's for it. and it's hard. But the cool thing is, like you know, it's hard to like when you're like been in the van. Like you know what? I should stop, take a break. Dogs, we're actually going to go to the park and get an ice cream. <laughs> you know, or like or something. Like just do something different mm-hmm. for like an hour, and then go back to like working on the van. I guess that's such a struggle for me. It's such a struggle me for me to be like, I'm going to stop doing this thing and do something like totally different or something fun, but still totally different. And then like come back to, I can come back to it. You know, I'm like, oh, but, but if I didn't do this thing, then I would be this much further along and X, Y, Z things could happen. Mm-hmm. It's like, don't worry about planning too much into the future. Like mm-hmm. focus, prep, plan, and then like have fun. And just be able to like pivot, you know, you get super mad and frustrated because something's happening on your van. You can't fix it. Like, okay, that's when you stop, you know, and then go do something else and then come back and maybe you'll have a different solution or a different perspective. And it's such a struggle for me. It's something I have to focus on like every single day. Same. You know, nonstop. And that's the thing. And that's the one thing that I realized like about growing up and getting older is like, you, you prioritize things differently. You grow, evolve, and you find different passions and things that you want to focus and put all your time, energy, effort, money into. And then you figure out how you can be the best you to do those things and how you can live your life the most conducive way to let those things exist and allow you to, like, remind yourself to stop doing this thing so that you can go have a few minutes of fun because... When you come back, you might have a different idea, which is like absolutely happened. I struggled super hard in that Ted spot because in the script, it was very specifically vague about this location of his office. It was a doctor's office. He was seeing multiple patients in different rooms. Matt had one vision, and when I learned what that vision was, it even became more difficult to find that location. But then I realized that's his idea and he's open to plussing that idea or a version of that idea that helps, right? So, I mean, I was stressed. I was like location managers, 
wasting an entire day of not working. I don't have anything to do specifically, but not being at the office or doing something, looking, driving around, looking for places. No, that's not a good location. This is great, but we don't like this. And I finally got to the point where I was so stressed that I just like stopped working on it. I was like, I'm, I don't care. I'm not even going to think about this for like a day. And I, I literally saw this van on the street. I was like, that's crazy. And it was someone selling like a bunch of like flowers on the side of the road out of their van. And I was like, what if it's not a van? And I was talking to my like production designer, art director, um, Rudak, Jonathan Rudak, amazing. And he was like, dude. I was like, oh man, I'm stressed. I don't, this isn't working. And these guys are so amazing. And I keep having these terrible ideas and I don't think any of them work. And I was doubting myself. And he's like, dude, you're crazy. You're the guy who did, and he brought up this old thing that we did, which was a proof of concept for a sci-fi feature film that I wrote and did a pitch pack on and was trying to get developed. And we like shot a three minute trailer completely for free. Like, and it was like in front of the Omni hotel like they let me pick what was being displayed on the Omni Hotel at like two in the morning when we shot on this like cool. bridge. We did all this stuff and he like just kind of reminded me about all of this. And that's when I was like, wait a minute, that van. What if it's not an office? What if it's a van? And then I found this van. And I sent it to Matt. And he's like, that's it. It's a van. It's not an office. It's a van. He lives out. He works out of his van. And it changed like everything. And without a doubt. I wouldn't, I know, I just know it. I wouldn't have gotten to that idea if I didn't stop and walk away from it and then come back to it with fresh eyes. And that's not just work, man. It's everything, you know? And it's a pain in the ass struggle to deal with, to fight every day, man. But, you know, like, we all do it, whether you know you're doing it or not. Like, we're all doing it. We're all fighting it, man. I see that play out the most... It's just funny. I've started rock climbing, indoor rock climbing in the last like six months. Nice. And there have been several times where there's different routes that I'm trying to, to, to complete. And I'll just have spots that I'm just like, I oh, mean, I just cannot get this. I don't know what's going on. I'll sit and work on it, work on it, work on it, work on it. And then finally I get frustrated. And I'm just like, fuck this. I'm over it, man. And then I'll come back a week later and just da -da -da -da, and just go right up it like no problem. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, man, that spot right there that I had such a hard <laughs> yeah. time on last week, it's I haven't tried to climb it since then. What's yeah. happened that I'm not yeah. that much stronger? I'm not right. something somewhere in the back of my mind must have still been working on it or something. Because yeah, yeah. Well, dude, thanks for coming on, man. Oh man, it's been. I feel like we could sit here and talk about this stuff all day, dude. Where can people find your work, man? So, um, everything's up at, um, sideshops.com. Um, side chops. Yep. Okay. S I D E C H O P S side chops, um, dot com. And then my website is, uh, Joe Harris dot, dot TV. Um, and then it's the same also on Instagram for both of those. Um, yeah, man. So it's all up there and. I don't, I should start doing more like a uh, cool stories and like live stuff, but I'm, I'm just not good at like promoting myself. You know, I mean, that's why side shops it, does it, it all for it, me. Cause I'm like, I don't know what to do. I have really mixed feelings about that of, <laughs> of I should, I should do this, you know, more. And part of me is like, yeah, but why? Yeah. And there's, uh, 
there's a friend of mine, Rocky Garza, that I've had on one of the episodes, and one of the things mm-hmm. that he talks about is don't shoot all over yourself. Yep. Because it's really easy to do that. And of course. I mean, it's part of the reason that I have such a hard time mentally sometimes with all the stuff that I do because I'm like, oh, I should do this, I should do this, yeah. I should do this too, and I can do this and this and this and this and this and this. And I used to run myself ragged doing that. And I've gotten a lot better, but part of it was, hey, the world is telling me that I should do all this stuff, but is what I'm doing working? Mm. Am I getting to work? Mm. Am I getting to do the stuff that I want to do? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, I don't yeah. know. Maybe you do that stuff, but... Yeah, plus, you know, it's... Don't shoot all over yourself. Yeah, don't shoot <laughs> all over yourself, man. You're your worst critic. So many people don't do what we do. Like, you know, there's so, you got to always... That's the other thing, man. You always got to remember... The people that we interact with regularly, fairly regularly, that aren't in this business, like we're magician rock star people. Like, whoa, he does it. And we're like, oh, it's just this yeah, 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 fire yeah. that I did the other day. And yeah. like, whoa, that's amazing. You were in this thing. And I went through 600 TPS reports yesterday while you were doing that thing, you know? We're super lucky and super blessed uh, to yeah. like, basically for all intents and purposes, lie for a living. Like, we just, like, tell cool lies on screen to help solve problems. You know, it's like, it's not necessarily a lie, but it's like, you know, you're making stuff up. Yeah. You're making up stuff. Whether it's, like, documenting real people, like, you're still sort of, like, making up how you do things, and it's smoke and mirrors, you know? It's hard to remember all that good stuff, man, Mm -hmm. but it's worth it. Because when you get in the middle of it, dude, it's hard to... It's hard to recognize where you're at sometimes unless you take a step back, which I think is very important to do because it is really easy to lose sight of that. So if you're in that spot, take a step back and just remember that maybe where you're at is a good place. And, you know, maybe you can be thankful for where you are because it definitely in my life, I've found that I'm never really fully satisfied. And then maybe that's just kind of how it is. And for some reason, maybe I'm expecting to find this complete fulfillment and satisfaction where I have no wants or desires, but that doesn't seem to be life because it seems to be the wants and desires and dissatisfaction that pushes me forward. Mm-hmm. And if I'm to ask myself, well, what would it look like if I was completely satisfied and I had no wants and desires? I can't give you an answer. Yeah. And so... It turns into a blank wall in my mind. Mm-hmm. It's like a uh, crystal clear picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's not realistic. Mm-mm. You know, it's not life. Well, thanks, dude. Dude, it's been I fun. It. You're a champ. You, you're doing awesome stuff. Keep thanks it. so much. Thanks so much again, to Joe, for coming on, and to Becca, of course. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in to another episode of Freelance Friday. If you found this episode or any of them particularly helpful, please share them with friends or whoever you think would benefit from it. It would also be very helpful for the show if you would leave a rating and a review wherever it is that you find this podcast and listen to it. That way, others that come across it have an idea of what other people think about it, and it helps them to make an assessment on whether or not they want to invest listening time into the show. Also, as I mentioned previously, you can support the show financially at patreon.com slash vacacy for only $3 a month. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll be with you again next week. Freelance Freddy is a vacacy production. Vacacy is a freelance content creator based in the United States and available worldwide. Vacacy. Big production value, freelance agility and scale.